the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor. I'm honored that you would tune in and spend a few minutes with us. Today is Friday, March the 12th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1664, England's King Charles II, he granted an area of land on the east coast of present-day North America. It's known as New Netherland. He gave it to his brother James the Duke of York, as in New York. That's how we know that grant of land today, New York City. Today in 1864, Lieutenant General Ulysses S. Grant, he assumed command of the, as General-in-Chief of the Union Armies, the Civil War. Today in 1912, the Girl Scouts of the USA had its beginnings. Juliet Gordon Lowe of Savannah, Georgia, she founded the first troop she called it Girl Guides. Now we don't have girls and boys scouts. <laughs> we just have scouts. And the Boy Scouts are bankrupt. It's sad. Those institutions started well with great intentions. However, today in 1933, President Franklin D. Roosevelt delivered the first of his 30 radio addresses, they became, they came to be known as fireside, fireside chats, telling Americans what was being done to deal with the nation's economic crisis. Today, in 1947, President Harry S. Truman, he announced what became known as the Truman Doctrine. He was going to help Greece and Turkey resist communism. Today, in 1994, the Church of England made a big announcement. They were giddy about it. They were going to begin ordaining women priests. Today in 2003, Elizabeth Smart, remember her? 15-year-old girl, she vanished from her bedroom in uh, Salt Lake City area. She was found today, nine months after she had disappeared, in a Salt Lake City suburb with two drifters, Brian David Mitchell and Wanda Barzee. Wanda Barzee was supposed to be David's wife, but I think he was calling Elizabeth his wife as well. Anyway, Mitchell is serving a life sentence. Barzee was released from prison in September of 2018. Today in 2009, disgraced financier Bernie, Bernie Madoff, he pleaded guilty in New York. He pulled off perhaps the biggest swindle in Wall Street history. He would be sentenced to 150 years behind bars. They use the word Madoff now to, as a um, descriptive term, saying, I guess that guy got Madoffed. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, he fooled a lot of people, yet he didn't rise to the level that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have on their big heist that I talked about yesterday. We know it as the COVID-19 relief bill. But those of us who are informed know that Bernie and Chuck made off with nearly $2 billion. There's still about a 
uh, I mean trillion dollars, there's still about a trillion dollars left from the first go around on this relief package, the first one, that hasn't been accounted for. I'm not saying there's any wrongdoing. I'm just saying that we don't know what happened to it. They're now admitting that because people started saying, well, you haven't spent it. And they're saying, well, it hasn't been reported on. So we don't know whether those running our government have actually spent it or if, or what. We don't know what has happened to it. That's a conversation that's actually happening today. Because people who are relentless, who have a large microphone, are, are asking. They would prefer the left that you not ask those questions. But since people are and they're doing so persistently... They're starting to say, well, it, it, it's not what it looks like. That extra trillion dollars is going to be allocated or whatever. I was reading some of that back and forth today. It's interesting, very interesting. Concerning, even more than interesting. One year ago today, 2020, authorities, our public servants, they began shutting down America. The NCAA, the college uh, basketball organization, canceled all of its basketball tournaments. March Madness and all that didn't happen. New York's governor ordered Broadway theaters to be shut down. That would be Governor Cuomo. He was also doing other things, as we're learning now, like assaulting the women who worked in his office. But he began uh, shutting down New York, including Broadway. Today in uh, 2020, Disneyland said it would close for the rest of March. I think it's been closed this whole year. In fact, I'm not sure if Disneyland is open yet. I Honestly, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. But I don't know if they're open yet or not. I think maybe they're getting ready to do so. The studios in Hollywood said they weren't going to release their major films. That would all be delayed because of the virus. And that was a year ago today. That's some of the things that happened in history. The reason that we mention these items that happen each day, we mention things that happened in history on that particular day, is that I believe, and others wiser than I believe, that having a proper perspective of history gives you a better and a more clear perspective of today. In fact, many have said, Patrick Henry and others said, knowing history is part of what guides my path in my decision-making. And others have said it. Some are quoted often, some not so much. But most people who have accomplished anything in life and been significant in their life as far as influence had a pretty good grasp on history. Now, of course, we're living in a time when the woke culture, as they call it, is trying to cancel our history. For a period of time, they were revising it. Now they're just simply trying to, it didn't even happen. They're not trying to rewrite the story of George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. They're just trying to make him go away as though he was never here. It never happened. That's, that's the era of history that we're living in. And it's difficult, and it will be more so on our children and our grandchildren as they become adults, should the Lord tarry. Governor Inslee announced... The news is saying this morning, Governor Inslee announced the much-anticipated Phase 3 of the Healthy Washington Recovery Plan on Thursday, yesterday. It allows the state to reopen more of the economy, 
The entire state will advance to phase three on Monday, March the 22nd. I don't know about you, and I'm not going to talk a great deal about this today, but somehow as our nation rejoices that we can now, like, maybe go visit our son or daughter and their family if we have grown children, I don't know. There's a there's just a, a cloud to all of that. To me, I mean, I'm glad the government is now allowing us to leave our homes or whatever. But that seems so contrary to what America's supposed to be about and has been about. It seems ironic. It seems concerning that we're at a point now where we are delighted when our leaders shuffle out to a microphone somewhere in the Northwest, our far left leaders, and they say, well, we're going to we're going to allow you to get in your car and go somewhere. We're going to allow you at some point, if you're good, <laughs> to go to church or whatever. And we rejoice. Say, praise the Lord. I don't know. It's just probably just me. But that makes me uncomfortable. Because if that's where we are, where could we possibly go? I'm not suggesting that Governor Inslee or any of these people are bad people. They share a very different worldview than I do. I can tell you that for sure. But there are bad people among us. Should they seize power? Where could they take something like this? Where could a Nancy Pelosi, should she become president of the United States or something? She's in line of secession. Where, where could we go with this kind of a mind? We need to be very careful. That's why our founding fathers told us to be very, very careful with this republic. Not a democracy, this republic. And yeah, we practice democratic elections. But we need to be very careful, according to our founders, because it's real easy to lose what they gave us under what I believe was the direction of Almighty God himself. Joe Biden, after 50 days into the presidency, he finally finally had a press conference last night. I think he was feeling the pressure, really he was. A lot of his fans, the people that support him politically, <clears throat> They were asking him, you know, where are you? Why aren't you talking to America? Well, I think most of us know why. He has a difficult time often communicating. And if he gets a little excited or a little riled up, if he gets a little angry, which he can do, then he loses his train of thought. And he really can't can't link together a, a series of sentences. And everybody knows that. I mean, he has a real cognitive failure, and it's getting worse. So I suppose that's why he's very hesitant. And his handlers are very hesitant to let him come out to a microphone and do anything live. I mean, as long as they can edit it, there's not a lot of pressure. But anyway, he came out. He did okay. He got through about 19 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever it was. But I found it interesting that in this first prime time speech, I guess you would call it, he, he hit former President Donald Trump right out of the gate. He said more deaths, more infections, more stress, more loneliness was the result of the coronavirus being met with silence and denials. There you go, Donald Trump. 
He said a year ago, when the first positive cases became public, it was met with silence, denials. Biden didn't even mention Trump's decision on January 31, 2020, to declare a national health emergency to impose a ban on travel, not, not on the United States citizens, but on travel to China. He identified that the virus was from China. It was from Wuhan somehow. This, became, this came before the first COVID-19 diagnosis in the United States, which was in Seattle. Joe Biden is still holding, well, he was still holding public meetings. I mean, they weren't big crowds because he wasn't drawing big crowds, but there were several hundred people at most of them. He was still going like mad out there holding his deals and kind of poo-pooing the whole idea. We still, we forget this so, so quickly. I'm not defending Trump. I'm just trying to turn on the light. If it were different, I would say so, but it isn't. Trump was saying, hey, we need to we need to act on this thing. And it, now everybody knows, oh, yeah, we need to act on it. But they, nobody was saying that when Trump did that. In fact, it was the left who jumped on him and began to criticize him because he had restricted and finally shut down travel between China and here. He said, I don't know what all this is, but I do know one thing. He said, this is not good and it's not going to have a good outcome. Something's going on in China. It's a virus, and it it's not it's not pleasant. It's not healthy. I mean, how soon we forget. I was disappointed. Biden could have at least said the previous president or the previous previous administration initiated their warp speed thing on the vaccines and all of that. He didn't mention any of that. The Hollywood was gushing after that little speech that he gave last night. This Joseph Gad, he's a kind of a big deal in his own circles. He said, it's so nice to have an empathetic instead of a psychopath for president. CBS News, they were tweeting last night. Biden calls out the rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans during the pandemic, saying that they're attacked, harassed, blamed, and scapegoated. They're forced to live in fear for their lives, even walking down the streets. Well, it was a direct attack on, on Trump because he called it the Wuhan, Wuhan virus. Nancy Sinatra, she had a lot to say. She said, we are so blessed to have Joe Biden as our president. Great job, voters. She said, I can't stop crying at the end of the speech. There's George Taki, that, that Star Wars guy, or Star Trek guy, I mean, I, I, I don't follow these people, but millions do. He said, the American Rescue Plan is already saving jobs. That's Biden's deal. When it benefits, when its benefits are in full force and it helps pull us out from under the weight of this calamitous year. Remember that every GOP Congress member voted against it. Remember the favor, return the favor by voting against them in the next election. And blah, blah, blah. I mean, that, that, that was Hollywood. Barbara Streisand, she, she even got on social media, on Twitter. Barbara Streisand said, Biden clearly has the interests of the American people at heart. He's done a fantastic job accelerating vaccine deployment and his COVID relief bill will help so many Americans. Not to be outdone, Cher. <laughs> Remember her? Damn, she's been around for 100 years. Cher, she chimed in. 
on Twitter. She said, congratulations, President Biden. You're doing an amazing job. Bless you. Not God bless you, but bless you. Oh, there's a lot more of that, but that was kind of the tone. I did find it interesting that Biden didn't even acknowledge the threats to public health posed by the unsecured southern border, our Mexican border, despite the president's framing of the coronavirus as the primary threat to national welfare. He said, oh, yeah, this is the biggest enemy that we have. China was chuckling. And the thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of kids are now stacking up at our southern border. In just a few months, even some of the far left journalists are saying, well, Trump did have it under control. And we do think President Biden should take a good look at this. They're beginning to admit it. It's so obvious. It's like admitting that there's a real sunrise as the sun comes up. Over the, over the mountains. He didn't talk about personal responsibility. I'm not be, just being critical. I, I mean, I'm, I'm saying I, I watched what he said. He didn't talk about personal responsibility. He didn't even talk about the government's role in any of these anti-science lockdowns. He didn't talk nearly enough about the fact that we could probably open things up and survive. There was none of that. Many are wondering how he's going to hold people accountable who are responsible for some of the policies. Policies like that put elderly people with COVID into nursing homes in New York and elsewhere with COVID. I mean, shouldn't somebody from the presidential position kind of light a fire to this? Como has been skating until the last couple of days on his sex abuse things and all of that that's going on. But there's also the issue where he was mandating that elderly people with COVID-19, Wuhan virus, were being put in nursing homes with people who didn't have that, and then they were becoming infected. And he's responsible for the death of thousands of, of elderly people just in New York. There's no concern about that expressed unless it becomes a political liability. I didn't see any real empathy. I saw a man who felt victorious because he got through a 20-minute speech without losing his train of thought and looking foolish before the American people. Please, please sense my spirit. It is concern I am not criticizing him for the sake of being critical. I'm concerned about America. What is he capable of doing? I mean, what is he incapable of doing? Could he push the button? You know, the football? I don't know. But people are dancing in the streets in Hollywood and across the East and West Coast where the liberals live. He wouldn't even give Trump credit at all for what he's done with his Operation Warp warp Speed and all that kind of thing. That would have had some class, but that wasn't what this was about. Interestingly enough, while he was giving his speech, the White House COVID advisor, Andy Slavitt, he was over on MSNBC, and what he was saying over there was amazing, and I'm not going to go into that, but He said, I think everyone will have a chance 
to be vaccinated by July 4. And he said, we'll be able to do many, but not all of the things, if we obey the rules, not all of the things, and we'll be able to get our freedoms back, some of our freedoms back, by July 4th. I don't know about you, but that that rang a little hollow with me. Are we surely equating this to July 4th and our independence from a tyrant king in England? Maybe there are... Maybe there are some, I don't know. ABC News is reporting that Governor Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas, I'm quoting ABC News, signed into law legislation banning nearly all abortions in in the state, a measure that supporters hope will force the U.S. Supreme Court to revisit its landmark Roe v. Wade decision. That's exactly right. They are. Arkansas is at least one of 14 states where legislators have proposed outright abortion bans this year. The reason they're doing that is because, number one, they don't believe in abortion. They don't believe that people should be killing unwanted children before they're born. But they also are creating legislation that will put it right before the Supreme Court. And they're hoping that the Supreme Court won't dodge it when it comes up. 2021 could be the year that Roe v. Wade will come before the Supreme Court. Governor Hutchinson told ABC News, he said, I'm signing this bill because of its overwhelming legislative support and my sincere and long-held pro-life convictions. ABC worried out loud. They worried that conservatives believe the court is more open to striking down the decision, Roe v. Wade, following former President Donald Trump's appointments to the court, three of them. They have reason to worry. Republican Senator Jason Rappert, he's the bill's sponsor, or ASA in in Hutchinson in Arkansas. He said, we must abolish abortion in this nation just as we abolished slavery in the 19th century. He said, all lives matter. Well, that's not supposed to be said publicly, but he said it. ABC reported it. They're quick to report, however, (laughs) that a letter was written by an attorney for the National Right to Life Organization. I'm a big supporter of of right to life in general and right to life organization. I don't agree with everything the National Right to Life Organization has done in recent years, but I mean, nobody, my wife doesn't agree with everything I do. I mean, but I support them, period. However, when this attorney wrote that letter, I saw it. And I thought, why in the world is this guy doing this? Why is he writing this letter? He goes into the detail in the letter of why it's, he's, I'm quoting him, why the possibility of overturning Roe v. Wade is very small and remote. Even if he believes that, I mean, he, I suppose he's pro-life, he's their attorney, but why would he say that publicly? I couldn't figure it out then, and I don't know now, but ABC jumped all over that, and they quoted him, of course. But they noted that the ACLU calls the ban cruel and unconstitutional. ACLU put out a press release to Governor Hutchinson and said, we'll see you in court. Well, that's exactly what Hutchinson wants. He wants to see them in court. And so do these other 13 or 14 states. They want this thing to be put on the table and bared before God and man, and they want some kind of a decision by the Supreme Court. 
And so do I, because I think, personally, I'm not a lawyer, but I think that that Planned Parenthood knows and others know and the media knows that Roe v. Wade is very, very flawed. It's not a good piece of legislation. I didn't come to that conclusion on my own. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a lawyer, but I can read. And I've spent a lot of time studying that over the last few years, studying the case and and particularly listening to people like Clarence Thomas and Alito and others who are smart and they are lawyers and judges and Supreme Court justices. I think Roe v. Wade would have a hard time surviving an honest look by an honest court. Now, all the people on the court are not honest in the sense of looking at these kinds of cases. This would be monumental through a constitutional lens, but they will look at it through a living document lens, which is very different than originalists. But I believe there is a majority on the court now until Biden and his crew, the Democrats, have a chance to stack the court. And I'll be surprised if they don't, much more so than if they do. Stack the court, I mean, like put a bunch of liberals on the Supreme Court so they have the majority. Because it's about activism. It's not really about discerning what our Constitution says and doesn't say. It's really about using the judicial of our nation, particularly the Supreme Court, as a battering ram, as another tool for far-left activists. So this is what we're doing and what's going on. And I'm going to pay a lot of attention to this because there are people across this country, good and godly people, who are very wise like Asa Hutchinson and others, who are determined and prayerfully so to bring this thing before the highest court in the land and leave it in the hands of God. I agree with them. But this is Alexis McGill-Johnson, president of Planned Parenthood Action Fund. She said, at a time when people need economic relief and basic safety precautions, dismantling abortion access is cruel, dangerous, and blatantly unjust. Saving babies' lives is cruel, dangerous, and blatantly unjust. That's how far we've gone. That's how far down this path we've gone of ignorance, of blindness, of a seared conscience. One of Joe Biden's passions, by his own admission, is to see Roe v. Wade be codified into law. The guy who claimed that he was pro-life all of his career. Now, he said one of his biggest action items as president is to codify Roe v. Wade which would make it very difficult to be overturned. We'll see what happens. The New York Times, they're expressing some concern out loud about this. I think some on the left are beginning to see the handwriting on the wall. If Roe v. Wade would come before this current Supreme Court. Barrett was kind of the hinge point. Amy Coney Barrett, she is pro-life, and she's pro-Constitution. She's not an activist. She's simply a constitutionalist. And so are a number of the others on there. The judgment in Roe v. Wade, I think, may come before us as a nation sooner than we think because of the non-blinking commitment on the part of people like Asa Hutchinson and a number of other, many others.
So when you pray, pray that that will happen, because I think Roe v. Wade will collapse. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you Monday.